Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 79 of the Morning Round Trip podcast here on September 27th. And happy final day of the regular season to you and yours. My name is Drew Frank, and I'm joined here by my co-host Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And today we'll we'll look back at yesterday first, and we've got a bit of a clearer picture in terms of seeding. We know that the Tampa Bay Rays have clinched the American League's number one spot. They will face the eight seed, which will be one of their divisional rivals. Whether that's Toronto or New York remains to be seen, but we know it'll be one of those two teams. We also know in the National League which four teams will have home field advantage for the wildcard round as Chicago clinch the National League Central and will have the number three seed. It'll be the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cubs, and the Padres in that order. The bottom four, a lot of uncertainty still. Beyond the playoff picture, a story with a bit of a wider scope, we saw Alex Gordon retire earlier this week, and Hunter Pence has announced his retirement yesterday. Two of the game's better corner outfielders over the past decade or so, and guys that have meant a lot to their respective teams, Hunter Pence decides it's time to hang up the cleats. Hunter Pence, a lot more than a baseball player, but not a bad one at that. A couple of all-star appearances for him and a couple of World Series titles as well. Spent some time with the Giants, the Rangers, and the Phillies, as well as the Astros, and he has decided to call it a career. One of the better players for most of the 2010s, and it'll be sad to see him go because he really found a resurgence in San Francisco last season, but if he's calling it quits, congratulations to him on a great career. And a corner outfielder heading in a different direction, Betts might have some questions with how his season finishes up. He was hit by a pitch in his left hip yesterday in the first inning by Julio Tehran. Of course, we know it's Julio Tehran, so not intentional at all with the command he's got. But he stayed in the game for at least a little bit to run the bases, but was went back to the dugout and was limping, removed from the game. We don't know how serious this is going to be, but even if Betts misses a couple games, this three-game series is is so short. I mean, obviously you want him back as soon as possible, but you hope this isn't going to be anything major. And if he misses a couple of games, he might miss the entire series because uh, the start of these playoffs are only going to be a couple of games at the most. You hope that it's nothing serious. Mookie Betts is a hell of a player to watch. He's a lot of fun. And if you're the Dodgers, you're trying to break that streak of postseason appearances without a World Series title. He's an important guy that you need in your lineup. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for the Blue Jays also left the game yesterday. He's got a left foot contusion. Left the game, they said, as a precautionary measure. So we'll wait to see if he has to miss any time there. And finally, Jace Tingler as optimistic that Denelson Lamette can start Game 1. Of course, optimistic is a far cry from saying he's ready to go for Game 1, and there really isn't all that much time, but it seems like they might have Lamette and Davies for Games 1 and 2, and if they do, then they'll be looking pretty decent. We saw Davies actually go last night as he took on Johnny Cueto, and it was just a tune-up start for him. He only goes 51 pitches, he only goes 3 innings, Looks sharp in those three innings. He only allows three hits with no earned runs. No runs at all, actually. Doesn't walk a batter and strikes out three. 
San Diego, they'd go on to win this one 6-2. They score three in the fourth and three in the ninth. The Giants on the other side, they could have had a chance to improve their playoff picture behind Johnny Cueto on the mound. Cueto gets a quality start. He goes six in the third with three earned runs. And they all came, as I said, in the fourth after a Tatis solo shot and a trio of singles. They would take the lead there. This game was close. It was 3-2 in the eighth. But as I said... Three runs in the ninth, Pham hit a home run, Moreland hit a home run, and this game was over. The Giants, again, a tough loss, but they're still right in the thick of things. They can still make the playoffs with a win and a Milwaukee loss. If Milwaukee wins at all, then they're out and there's nothing they can do about it, but there's still hope for this Giants team. Yeah, but that hope dwindles a little bit when you see that Fernando Tatis Jr. is starting to pick things right back up, and Manny Machado has been rocking things at that third base corner. Fernando Tatis Jr., a guy we talked a lot about at the start of the season and pretty much most of the way as we rode through this year, but scuffled a little bit in his last couple of games, and through the last two games, he started to pick things back up with home runs in back-to-back nights. He's got 17 now, and that ties him for the National League lead, and he would be the first man to ever win a home run title in the National League for the Padres since Fred McGriff did it. So a little bit of a blast from the past there, and if the Giants want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat a San Diego Padres team that not only is surging, not only has played well all year, but with two MVP candidates on that left side of the infield, and I mean, it's not going to be the easiest task for them because if you watch the way that they played in this game and in the games previous, runs have come at a premium for them. And it's not going to be easy for them, but if you're the San Francisco Giants, I'm pretty sure you're never used to having things be easy for you, being in a division with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I guess we'll see how it shakes out. And the Giants would have had a chance to eliminate the Mets in that game. But instead, the Mets eliminated themselves earlier on in the day by losing both halves of the doubleheader against the Washington Nationals. We had a rainout two nights ago, so they played the doubleheader and dropped both halves to the home Washington Nationals. First game, they lose 4-3, and this was Jake DeGrom's final start of the season. He gives them 116 pitches, just doing his best to try and stay in the Cy Young race, doing his best to try and stay in the postseason race. He goes five innings with three earned runs, strikes out 10, which passes Trevor Bauer for the National League leads, but the three earned runs ultimately leaves him exiting the game in a tie game. The bullpen go on to lose it. The Mets take the loss in this one, and another season down the drain, another year of DeGrom seemingly wasted, and this is just tough for the Mets team and Mets fans. Yeah, but with a new owner, the prospect of actually spending money in free agency and trying to make some noise while you have the prime of one of the best pitchers that we've ever seen is probably going to be the optimism for the New York Mets moving forward, but they missed the playoffs again. And it wasn't really at the fault of Jake DeGrom, and I feel like Mets fans are pretty used to hearing that. Nothing really ever seems to be Jake DeGrom's fault. But on the other side, I thought Max Scherzer pitched well, as this marks the 11th consecutive season that he will finish with a winning record. Congratulations to Max Scherzer. We talked about Jake DeGrom being one of the better pitchers we've seen in the past decade. He's right there with him. He climbs some of the all-time rankings. He's the only pitcher in Major League history to post a strikeouts per nine rate above 10 for nine nine consecutive qualified seasons, and he passed Sandy Koufax to become fifth all-time in 10-plus strikeout games. He has been rocking it this year, not really at the pace that we're used to. 
He said that his body feels like it's October, but his arm feels like it's May, and maybe that's evidenced by the fact that he's given up a few more walks this year than we're used to seeing. Uh, but he got some run production from Andrew Stevenson, that's for sure. Stevenson leaves the yard once, but rounds the bases twice as he hit one into left that Dominic Smith just couldn't get a handle on and was able to scuttle around the bases for an inside-the-park home run. A great game all round for the Washington Nationals in a solid come in a solid effort to show their moxie. They battled the whole way through and against Jake DeGrom, that's never something that's easy to do. But the Mets, as we mentioned, have officially been eliminated from the postseason. And one final note, Jake DeGrom hits 102.2 on a fastball. That's not only the hardest pitch he's thrown in his career, it's the hardest he's thrown by over a full mile per hour. He followed that up with a 95 mile an hour slider, and like I said, his stuff looked good. He finishes with the MLB lead, at least as of recording, 1.99 FIP. No one has anything better. His ERA finishes at 2.38, a whip below one on the season. It was a good season from him, but unfortunately the Mets are on the outside looking in. And he said after the game, eight teams go and we didn't make it. That's pretty frustrating. So they go on to punctuate that day by losing the second half, as I said. The game didn't matter. Both teams were out, but it's just almost an exclamation point on what was a pretty tough day for the Mets. In the final game we looked at, it was Luis Casillo versus Michael Pineda. And the home twins take this one 7-3, pushing them a little bit closer to clinching that central. The magic number in the American League Central for them falls to just one. And the Reds, they were quick to score here. They go up 2-0 in the top of the first, but then as the 7-2 score for the Twins might indicate, it was all Minnesota after that. Luis Casillo gets hit around a fair bit, allowing six hits and four runs, all of them earned in just four innings pitched. Didn't walk a batter, but he allowed a run on a wild pitch. He just seemed shaky, balls left out over the plate, and while well, I had said Zach Davies looked good in his tune-up start before playoffs, can't say the same about Luis Castillo. This is a big game for the Minnesota Twins for a couple of reasons. First of all, anytime you hit eight doubles, you're probably going to give yourself a chance to win a ball game. And especially the fact that they were doing it at home it caps off the fact that this Minnesota Twins ball club has been so, so tough to beat when teams stroll into Minneapolis because this team at home is far better than they are on the road. And that's saying something for a team that's contending for a central division title. Pitchers at home have a 2.86 ERA. Contrast that with a 4.38 ERA on the road. It's obvious that this team loves to play at target field. And considering the fact that with this win, they've clinched home field advantage regardless of who they play in the playoffs I think you're going to take that every single time out and I mean this will cap it off for you Kenta Maeda I did talk about the pitchers and the contrast between the home and away ERA Maeda a 1.91 ERA at home and a 3.19 opposing OPS against that's insane well, for my money, I think they'll be there. I think they'd win this Central, and I think they do have that home field advantage in the first series. Uh, this is going to be really interesting, though, because the Indians are eliminated 
from winning the title, not from the playoffs. We know they've got a playoff spot, but they were actually shut down quite a bit by Joe Musgrove yesterday. He goes seven scoreless innings with 10 strikeouts. Key Brian Hayes goes five for five, scores three runs, and the Pirates trounce the Indians. So we know it's going to come down to the White Sox and the Twins, and I think it's going to be the Twins, but... We'll see. The White Sox, they still have a chance. Last night, they made history as they became the first team in MLB history to go unbeaten against a left-handed starter. Of course, it's 60 games, and you can't hold that up against 162, but you can't say that going 14-0 against lefty starters isn't impressive because that's a pretty good run. And the only left-hander that they'd be likely to face in the postseason would be Hyunjin Ryu of the Toronto Blue Jays, and you've only got to play him once. So obviously that 14-0 record won't be tested in the postseason as much early on, but a very impressive statistic nonetheless. Around the rest of the league, we saw Brandon Woodruff also put up a great outing. He goes 8 shutout innings with 10 strikeouts and just two hits allowed. He also had a stretch where he retired 20 batters in a row, and he keeps Milwaukee alive. They still have a chance. We'll get to them shortly. We saw Luke Voigt hit number 22. He keeps things rolling. The Yankees win yesterday afternoon. And Garrett Crochet, young, powerful arm, becomes the first and, at this point, probably only pitcher in 2020 to throw 20 pitches in a game that round to 100 mile an hour or higher. DeGrom, May, Cole, Glasnow, name any fire thrower you want. None of them have done that. And Crochet, he just... I don't even know what to say, man. He, no development time, no minor league time. He just comes up and he is ready and looks very impressive already. Who needs development time when you throw cheddar like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's working and he is going to be, as a lot of people are saying, a wild card, an X factor, whatever you want to call it out of that bullpen. Now, final note before I move into our predictions, DJ LeMahieu has a chance to win the AL batting title today if he can keep things up. He's got a pretty good lead right now. He won an NL batting title back with Colorado, which would make him the first person to win undisputed American League and National League batting titles in MLB's history. No one else has done both. In 1902, Ed Delahanty won his second batting title, but it was awarded to him and it was a little, as I said, disputed. So DJ LeMahieu would become the first person to win decidedly both, and at the very least, the first person to win both in 117 years. So keep an eye out for that history watch. But let's get into our games today, because this is probably the most exciting day for baseball that we will see at least in the regular season and probably moving forward. I mean, I love the last day of the regular season. Every single game starts at 3 p.m. Eastern, so you've just got a whole bunch of baseball all packed in at once. The first game that we're going to talk about is Milwaukee-St. Louis. Both teams that, believe it or not, could be eliminated. Neither of these teams have clinched yet. St. Louis, they can clinch with a win. And more importantly than clinching, they still have two games against Detroit that haven't been played. If they win today and Miami loses, 
they don't have to play those games. They'll be guaranteed the number five spot no matter what happens. If either they lose this or Miami wins, then they would have to play a doubleheader tomorrow before moving to playoffs on Tuesday, and that's a lot of games, and you know St. Louis doesn't want to have to go there. There's a lot going on heading into the final day, and like you said, I echo the sentiment of the last day of the regular season being one of the more exciting days to watch baseball. It'll be Austin Gomber, the left-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals going today, and he will be opposed by Brett Anderson of the Milwaukee Brewers. There are a lot of moving pieces going on in this one. Uh, Like you said, both teams might not even make it, even despite a win from either side, but with that being said, I think I go Milwaukee in this one, Anderson. Not been the best so far on the season, but I think that he's going to be able to push his team over the St. Louis Cardinals in this one because the Brewers have been able to back him with 18 runs in his other start against the St. Louis Cardinals. I'll go with Milwaukee as well. They're eliminated if they lose this game, so you can probably expect a whole lot of Josh Hader and a whole lot of Devin Williams in this one to keep it close. I'd like to see what they can do. Moving on, though, we've got Cincinnati visiting the Twins, the third game of the series and the third game we're going to predict. This game gives Minnesota the chance to win the division, secure a top three seed, secure home field in the first rounds, control their own fate, but they go up against Sonny Gray. And Cincinnati, they're still fighting for seeding, still fighting for where they will have to play their games. And I think I go with Cincy in this one, but I do think this is going to be one of the better games we see today. I like the chances of both teams in this one, but for the sake of wanting to see a team celebrate a division title at home, I'm going to go with Minnesota in this one. We saw them come up over the Cincinnati Reds in their last time out with a massive output of extra base hits. And with Rich Hill on the mound, it's unclear if he'll be able to pitch in the wildcard series. So we'll see how long he goes for them in this one. It might be a bullpen day for the Twins, but I go with the Twinkies over the Reds. And finally, Philly finishes their season in Tampa Bay as Aaron Nola takes on Josh Fleming. And Tampa, they have the number one seed. They have the AL East. They don't need this game. Philadelphia, they do. If they lose, they're out straight up. If they win, they need both San Fran and Milwaukee to lose. Now, that's not too big of an ask, knowing that they're going against the Padres and the Cardinals respectively. But... Uh, it's still three games need to go in your favor. I think I like Philly over Tampa just because, like I said, they've got all the motivation and Tampa has zero. But I still don't know if they get all three games to tip in their favor to let them in to sneak into that final playoff spot. The Phillies have lost three of Aaron Nola's last four starts. And Josh Fleming on the season as a rookie is 4-0 and with an ERA under 3.5. I think this game comes down to the bullpen. I think regardless of how strong Aaron Nola pitches, this bullpen has just proven to me that they cannot be trusted. I don't even think that they're going to have a chance to blow things in the postseason because they're not going to come away with a win here. I go Rays over Phillies. And as soon as you said you think it comes down to the bullpen, I knew which way you were leaning in this one, knowing at the strength of the two staves. But that's it for our show today. We'll have two special episodes tomorrow, each 20 minutes apiece. One wrapping up all of today's games and another one wrapping up all of the season's games. Talking MVPs, talking division winners. Catch all of that tomorrow. We'll follow that up 
Tuesday morning with our playoff preview. There is a lot of baseball going on. You can keep up with everything that's happening on our Twitter at Trip Morning and on our Instagram at Morning Round Trip. And we'll be right back here with two episodes tomorrow morning. For Drew Frank and Liam Carruthers, thank you for listening and have a great day.